by the time we're all 15, we're all supposed to have our shit together. Right. And I've yet to meet one who does. Amen, brother. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. If you can touch your shadow within form and do something out of your ordinary pattern, a great deal of energy will flow from it. Owning Your Shadow by Robert A. Johnson Why do you do what you do? Pay the bills? I'm sure that's part of it, or maybe it's all of it. But what else? Why or why isn't your work meaningful to you? I know the answer for me. Sadly, the story starts with the death of my mom from breast cancer. She was 53. I was 24. And it broke my heart. I had always been interested in making money. I always had a knack for it, starting with a lawn mowing business, successfully trading internet stocks during the 90s heyday while in high school, and selling computers and PDAs to top eBay sellers all over the world while in college. I knew I always wanted to build a business, and I knew I always wanted to make money. But that's as far as I really got. And then my mom got sick. My world flipped. I was broken. I went to New York for a fresh start, and in my mind, a bigger entrepreneurial endeavor, one that would help to fill the void. Instead, I met a coach who helped me become the man and entrepreneur I am today. And here I shudder, thinking of that lost 24-year-old, the one looking to run from the pain of a loss, to fill the void with success and status. The guy who thought all he needed were a few productivity tips and hacks and pointers and a map to the riches. The guy who believed that work was about productivity, about grinding away. And if you ever want to be successful, you better be tough. You better be closed. Jerry showed me that not only is the best work usually the result of being open, being vulnerable, but work itself can be the way to achieve our fullest selves. It's perhaps selfish, but it's true. You're hearing this podcast because I simply can't imagine that 24-year-old version of myself not having an opportunity to do this type of work, have these heart-centered conversations, or even be exposed to them. You hear this podcast because, in effect, I'm trying to save myself. So thank you for that. And so I'm excited to welcome someone who has tapped into his own heart, his own woundedness, so that he can speak to the hearts of others and help them uncover why they do what they do. Someone who creates powerful, moving, and inspirational art, Hugh McLeod from Gaping Void. Hugh joins Jerry in this episode and discusses how he got his start, what motivates leaders, and how to work and lead from the heart. As always, you can check out our show notes and see some special cartoons from Hugh at our website, at reboot.io slash podcast. We're proud to say that today's episode is brought to you by JustWorks. JustWorks helps businesses take care of their benefits, healthcare, payroll, and HR. It's super simple and powerful. I'm Allie Schultz, and I am the COO of Reboot. I've tried two of the largest 
HR solutions in the market and um, the time that it has taken out of my life to use both of those programs is maddening to me. Um, back then, um, which was only just a couple of years ago, I remember thinking to myself, this really doesn't need to be as complicated as it is. And I was hoping that someone would create what JustWorks has created. If you're ready to grow your business and not your busy work, head over to reboot.io slash JustWorks. You'll find out more about how we use JustWorks and how it could work for you. That's reboot.io slash JustWorks. Hey, Hugh, how are you? It's been a long, long time, and I'm really, really happy to connect with you. How are you doing? Hi, Jerry. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Well, I'm in Miami. Uh, it's uh, Business is pretty good. Uh, no major crises yet. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and you're married and a dad. Yeah, I, uh, I met my wife. Uh, actually, I suppose relatively late in life. I met her about four or five years ago. We got married about three years ago, and then... Uh, Fiona was born in uh, December, and uh, so now I'm a new father, and probably far too old to be one, but that's okay. Uh, and it's actually one thing I wasn't prepared for was just how wonderful it is. I mean, I, it was just I, I, I was hoping to like it, but I, didn't, I wasn't expecting to like it this much. My, my goodness, we're blessed with a very healthy, happy baby, which is like amazing, and mm-hmm. because there's no guarantees in these things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that. The thing that uh, people just are, are utterly surprised by is the emotional impact of parenthood, positively and negatively. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 yeah. a mind it's a mind fuck for sure. Um, yeah. And you know what I often say is that, and this is a quote I stole from somebody I can't remember who, but being a parent is like wearing your heart outside your body. It's just, ooh, you're, you're just like constantly exposed. And by the way, you're welcome to take that and turn it into a cartoon. Ooh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's, oh, I yeah. mean, that's like, yeah. And as opposed to hard on your sleeve, which is kind of a, which, which is actually kind of like more of a, a more of a, a vanity of youth, I suppose. That's right. That's right. The heart outside your body is exposed and vulnerable and yeah. utterly unprotected. Yeah, and fragile. And fragile. And, That's and, right. And uh, I suppose, I mean, you know, when you have this big awakening when you're about 14, mm-hmm. when you realize, and it's very traumatic, when you realize your parents are just as screwed up as everybody else. Yeah. But yeah. when you realize your kids are just as screwed up as everybody else, you know, just as foul, not just like, you know, to, to you know, quote, quote my little Sunday school, you know, we're all sinners, you know, and I, including my child. Mm-hmm. Ah! Mm. And I just I just wonder which one's more traumatic: realizing your parents are screwed up as you, or realizing your child is just as screwed up as you. Yeah. Which is more pain? Which is more painful? Well, the way the way I resolve that, and you know, as you know, I've got three kids. We've got three kids, and mm-hmm. um, the way I've resolved that is to understand that everyone is wounded, including yeah. my children, and mm-hmm. that and that the real task in life is to turn those wounds into something sacred. And it's actually our wish to make the temporary permanent that yeah. is a major source of our suffering. Right, right. And I, I mean, when I was 18, I had a beautiful summer. I was like 18, 19, you know, in the 80s. I was just like, everything was perfect about my life, you know. Mm. And, and, and uh, I mean, I had friends, I had girls, I had a job, I had money. You know, I had clothes, which I paid for with my own money, mm. you know. Uh, 
I kind of resolved a major conflict with my parents, you know, and kind of achieved my spurs, I guess, of manhood. My mm. first, my first real whatever assertions of manhood, I suppose. And, and then it just the whole the whole thing just ended suddenly, and then it was over that, how, that summer. How did I, it end? I, I had to change country and go to uh, no, uh, leave Scotland and go to go to Texas, which was very alien. Mm. And also, school was never my thing, mm-hmm. and I, I resented having to go to school. And just and like, oh, you have to go to school because you get a job. Well, why? You know what I mean? Because, you know, why do I have to go to school now and listen to these these, these losers and hang out with these frat boys and, you know, and just be bored, you know? Because what was interesting to me, work was interesting to me at the time, and I wanted to continue working. But, you know, you know, my parents' marriage was dissolving, and, you know, my dad's business was dissolving. Everything was bloody dissolving. And so I felt like my parents couldn't get their act together. So... I, Hello, mm. good, you know, and you know, and now that I'm older, I go, well, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, shit happens and, you know, parents lose control of the rudder, you know, mm. and it can happen to any of us just as easily. So it's not like, but I, I was, uh, I don't know, but at the same time, I, I, you know, and so I'd go back to Edinburgh, I grew up in Edinburgh mm-hmm. and I just like to try to spend all these summers going back every summer because I wanted to recapture it. I never could and always broke my heart somehow. Yeah. yeah. And, I was, and I was always, because I have so many great memories and I lived in a lot of different places so my memories are very distinct to them if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I lived in Scotland. I lived, you know, growing up, even before my, let's say, 23rd birthday. You yeah, know, I lived in Texas. I lived in Scotland. I lived in Massachusetts. I lived in Africa. Hmm. You know, by the time I was 23, I was in Chicago, you know. So, you know, I, I have all these very distinct phases in my life. Uh, and, and so, and so I, I have a lot to look back on that I'm you know, quite grateful for, but it's, but I spent too much time looking back, being grateful for these things, wishing, you know, and kind of, I'm not saying not living in the moment, but, uh, I've, 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 i spent too much time missing the past sometimes. So that's, I think that's my greatest flaw, I think. Yeah. I think, I think that you very poignantly, as you often do, Hugh, Mm-hmm. speak to some very powerful issues and yeah. i just want to acknowledge and recognize what Thank some you. of the some of the things that you've just said which are you know um there you were going along with everything fine and then you know shit happens and as i said yeah. i said a few weeks ago in a podcast shit happens because shit happens not because yeah. of any reason it just shit happens yeah yeah and then you know the shit happens you find yourself covered in it and and trying to make sense of it and the the natural human impulse is to hold on to some idealized moment in the past and try to try to get back to that moment as much as possible as quickly as possible rewind the tape i guess yeah rewind the tape and freeze the tape stop it in place in the perfect moment in the perfect moment Yeah. yeah yeah and and one of the things that pema teaches in comfortable with uncertainty is even though that there's a quality of a, of a denial of death in that, there is an effect, a denial of life in that. Because life oh. does not consist of frozen moments. Life consists of moments that are continually falling apart. You, you know, it's funny that because I, I, it reminds me, and I've been in this situation too, but less extreme, I think. I have a lot of friends who are kind of creatives and writers yeah. and stuff like that and you know, over the years. And there's one friend of mine who's a writer, a novelist, and he finally got the dream gig. He got a couple screenplays, you know, yeah. commissions, 
and he had a, like this Italian wife from Sicily. So he ended up like you know in a, in a, in a beautiful cottage in Sicily, looking over a, a magical view of the sea with his own room to write in. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, but I think, I think the guy was like quasi-suicidal within six months. Right. Because he had the ideal situation and, and it almost killed him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, 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 and for me, I was living in a place where the inner and the outer were not in sync. And as a result, I was in enormous pain. And, that, and uh, especially when your life looks perfect on paper, that's, I mean, if your life looks pretty cruddy on paper, it's easy to walk away from. Yes. You know, when when everything's perfect, it's really. I mean, wasn't that the the? I only saw the movie a long time ago, The Stepford Wives. Yes. Where, yeah, yeah. Where they they start. Uh, there's a. What is his name? Uh, there's a really good Buddhist teacher called Lama Marut. He's an American. Yes. Yes. He, and he's he's quite he's quite goofy. I quite like him. Uh, and he goes, you know, why what you know why why the Stepford Wives pop pills and drink martinis at lunchtime? Mm. Because they realize that what they have is empty. Yeah. But everything's empty. You know, that's what he said. That, you know, he goes, everything's empty. There's no, like, there's no inherent quality in a thing that's going to make you happy. Right. But people think that, like, certain objects have mystical powers. Uh, Ferraris and uh, religious symbols. And, you know, they have this kind of magic, like, abracadabra-ness about them. And that's, you know, that, that's another... That's another uh, source of unhappiness, I suppose, or what, what samsara, where we think that things innate, have innate kind of mystical, where we, where we associate innate mystical qualities to objects. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so, Hugh, I, I, I'm dying to ask you something. There's a, there's a black poignancy about your work. Yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 to be fair, I think it's a trick alert from Charlie Brown, actually. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a, uh, I mean, I, it's is that it's the only animation is you know I mean people cry at Bambi I, I never cried at Bambi the only thing I ever cried at was uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas where he uh, oh God yes <laughs> yeah because he you know he, he he you know he chose the only real tree in the shop he got laughed at yes you know and that's yes that's the human condition right there that is the human condition right there you just said it so yeah. well you said it so well yeah. in fact that that goes back to to, to the, the the, the cartoon, the other cartoon I wanted to talk to you about, you know, you tweeted at me a couple of weeks ago after listening to, to one of the podcasts, you said, and this, oh, is, yeah. this is the cartoon, there's a higher truth to all of this. Admitting it will get you laughed at. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think it embarrasses the grown-ups because we're all, by the, age, by the time we're all 15, we're all supposed to have our shit together. Right. And I've yet to meet one who does. Amen, know? brother. You Amen. know, and, and it's like I'm waiting for my first person. To have his shit together, and please, yes. uh, you know what? We'll, we'll build a shrine to him. That's you know? right. That's right. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I, you know, we were talking again before before the recording started, and I, I I said to you, you know, hey, don't worry about coming across as some sort of guru. Just be you. And yeah. you laughed, and you said, well, you know, yeah, you too, Jerry. And you're yeah. right. You're right because none of us have our shit together. Right. That that would mean we're not actually being human. Yeah. Well, there's. There's a kind of you know, uh, if I, I'm gonna blow my own trumpet here. There's one thing my car, if I one thing I like about my cartoons yeah. besides you know, I don't think they're smarter than anybody else. I mean, I, I'm a, is is like they're like a they're not all of them do this, but some of them do. They're called I call them depth charges where you, you see you go yeah cartoon whatever you read it whatever and then like a week later you go holy fuck. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> those are those are my favorite cartoons. Where yes, you, you, people remember them. But the way that they don't get them at first, but then they get them and they go, holy shit. I like it when that happens. Yes. They, you know, they tell yes. me about that because, yes. uh, well, it's like, it's like the cartoon you once wrote on my behalf, uh, when, when I asked you to do a cartoon when I was first starting off as a coach Yeah. and, and you flip the, flip the card over and it's just a guy screaming out now what? Yeah. And, and, you know, in that pithy little now what for me synthesized so much about what that coaching client experience when they walked in to say, damn it, I need a coach, which was now what's happening to my life. Now what do I have to deal with? Now yeah. what? Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, I mean, I know one or two of your clients. I know. And I mean, one of them uh, became very, very successful recently. I mean, he was successful, but he just, he just sold his company to a you know, major media outlet. I won't say who. Mm-hmm. A lovely guy. Mm-hmm. Lovely, lovely, lovely fellow. And, uh, and this is what I never counted on: uh, is being successful is really complex. <laughs> <laughs> you said and I, it, and I mean, you know, it's like, you know, and it's like I, I, I was reading like a guy uh, I've met him once. He's a lovely fellow. that came off a lovely fellow, anyways. Called Kevin Rose, who was the founder of Dig, and now mm. he's with Google Ventures, and he's a terribly, you know, terribly successful fellow. And he's like, he was. He was saying he was talking to Tim Ferriss on a blog post or something, and, mm-hmm. and he said something about his life is basically back-to-back meetings. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh man, I would hate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So why do I envy somebody who has something I would hate? Mm. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah, as long as you're on the hamster wheel, you get to be Kevin Rose. That's right. And I, I, I don't mean to. I mean, he may like it. You know what I mean? I mean, That's he may, right. he may, he that, he may enjoy what he does, and that I'm sure he does. Because I, I, another thing I've learned over the time is it's really hard to be successful doing something you hate. Please, please. But uh, but the thing is, I know I would hate that. Well, so, and, and and what I often encourage is to really explore why do you love it? Because sometimes we confuse love with meeting some sort of uh, neurotic emotional need. Like, I loved being a VC, but the truth is there are so many aspects of being a VC that I loathe. And what I loved was being connected to entrepreneurs. What I loved was being a witness to the creation of some incredible ideas. And now I get to have that Mm -hmm. without necessarily having the parts of the job that I didn't like. You once even said it. You said you skimmed the cream off the top, and you created the job that you wanted, and that's right. Yeah. Well, there's a uh, there's a fe- fellow I knew who was a CEO of a company, and and he was he was perfectly he was a perfectly he was he was CFO. He was a great CFO, and then he got promoted to CEO, mm. and basically drove the company in the ground, mm. and uh, which is very sad. I mean, spectacularly drove it in the ground, just like. Mm. And, and a person close to us both said, well, his trouble was he liked being the CEO, but he didn't like being a CEO. Yes. You see, he liked being the big man, but, he, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and, you know, the thing about, you know, I liked having a job in advertising. I didn't like my job in advertising. You know what I mean? It's kind yes. of like that big, yeah. that kind of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what did having a job in advertising do for you? Well, I mean, I like, well, actually, I like parts of it. Mm-hmm. I like the, you know, my first job out of college, so I like the access to the adult world. Mm-hmm. So did I it make you feel like an adult? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Right. I like having access to 
like I was working for a world class company. I liked knowing what that felt like, you mm-hmm. know, and, and getting insight into that. I, I like being surrounded by smart people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was good. Uh, you know, I think a lot of my ideas, and uh, sorry, this is kind of humble bragging here, but a lot of my ideas were like, frankly, ahead of their time, mm-hmm. and the world wasn't ready for it. And so I was, so I, instead of like being, oh, you're ahead of your time, no, you're a freak. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. You got laughed at. And, and no matter what, I, no matter how hard it worked, I didn't get ahead in it. And I just felt like, and it might have been me. It might have been them. It might have been. I might, it might have been the wrong agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, maybe I should have gone somewhere else. But you know, you know, I was instead of I was so enamored with my, you know, my 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 grandmother being able to name drop my company as opposed to you know my grandson the bum mm-hmm. <laughs> that I kind of stuck with it probably longer than I should have. But, so 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 let's let's. Fast forward, and, and here you are now with Gaping Void. And yeah, Gaping, Gaping, Void. Gaping Void has evolved so far from a blog in which you could put cartoons and ramble on. Yeah. Into, into something that, you know, I mean, I, I, I see you guys dropping these grenades into corporate America, into businesses, and kind of cutting through bullshit and, and naming it and making people laugh and smile and 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 really think at the same time. Am, am I am I identifying the company correctly that way? Yeah, partially. Yeah, I, I think. I, okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, it has evolved a lot. Uh, and you know, I give Jason equal credit for that. I mean, he, he, Jason he, is in uh, Jason Corman. Your yeah, partner. my business partner. Yes, yeah, and he's yeah. the CEO. And he's uh, you know he's a uh, he you know he's evolved as much as I have. Yeah, and probably more actually. Yeah. Uh, well, he had more to work to do. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So are you are you now creating these visual representations of ideas, these these thought grenades, if you will, for the people stuck in the cubicles? Well, not just yeah, I think so. Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, yeah, I think I think the thing about engagement is 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 the biggest myth about engagement is that it actually happens. You know, mm. I think I think people are very a lot of people. You know, if you're a leader. So a, a team of people who are sleepwalking through their jobs is way less valuable to you than a, mm. than, than a team of people who click their heels on the way to work. Mm-hmm. And and actually, what's the difference? Is it is it is the, the people who are sleepwalking to work? Is their physical reality, their objective reality, that horrible? No. You know what is the difference? Uh, spiritual law. Mm. <laughs> Maybe, or 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 maybe, or maybe it's 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 the leader finding a way to click their heels on the way to work. Yeah, uh, or yeah, I mean, are the leaders are, are the leaders engaged? Mm-hmm. I mean, are the leaders doing it for themselves? Are they doing it for some? Are they trying to? Are leaders actually doing it because they love love this stuff, or are they doing it because they want to? They you know they want to be the biggest the biggest car in the parking lot. You know, I mean. Yeah. I mean, people. Motiv- I, I think I've always been interested in what motivates people, and, and I think you have to be to be a cartoonist. I think you really have to be interested in what motivates people. I th- and I think you just said something really powerful. You just gave articulation to something I often say, which is, "Lead from your heart." God damn it! God damn it! Right. And, and and people and people and great leaders do. I mean, you can say Steve Jobs was an asshole, but at least you know, he led from he had, his heart. Yeah, even if he didn't like his heart, he still led from it. That's right. And That's right. And, and I mean. Uh, there's two, there's two interesting things about business. You know, how, how does shit get done and why do people do it? I suppose <laughs> my yeah. two, you know, why do people, 
So you want to make a billion dollars selling books online, Mr. Bezos. Why would anybody want to do right. that? Right. <laughs> is it for the money? Is it for the, you know, is it for the, are you, are you a internet geek? Are you a book file? Are you, do you love books or just books of means to an end? I mean, what do you love? What do you care about? Why is it just, I, you know, just, and there's no right, there's no right answer. It's just kind of, why are you doing it? You know, why, wh- why is, why does anybody do anything? Why, why do people not elect to be more like Jeff Bezos and elect to be a plumber or, or a, you know, why do people choose, why people choose their, their vocation or their, you know, their work to me is one of the most interesting subjects there are. Why, so, so, so take me to it. Why did you choose your vocation and your work? Uh, cartooning. Yeah. I guess. Uh, gosh. I think when I was younger, it was something I was good at. You know, finally, I found something I'm good at for a change because <laughs> mm-hmm. I sucked at everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I got older, that mattered less to me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I no, I I I, th- I think the great thing about I think, you know, we all live in moments of fog and blizzard. I suppose. Mm. You know, we're all we're all surrounded by fog, wet or clutter or whatever. And I think, you know, we're both older now. I think, I think we both realize that what's, what is the most sweetest thing we can have in our lives? Mm. Moments of clarity. Mm-hmm. Time to think and moments of clarity. Those are, those are like our two, I'm not saying our only favorite things, but there's two, those two things are on my top ten list. Time to think and moments of clarity. And I, and I think uh, a great cartoon gives you these amazing moments of clarity. And, you, and, and to make a cartoon, you need time to think. So, mm. well, and, and I, I would argue one other thing you need, which is the ability to access your own heart so that you can yeah. see into the hearts of other people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I've always admired is about your ability. Uh, and, and that empathy thing. And That's I think, right. I think, I think the need, and actually the, I, and I, I think, I think empathy is, I remember when I was a kid feeling, you know, I always felt like feeling sorry for other kids if they're mm-hmm. having a bad day mm-hmm. or they're being bullied or crying. I always felt like showing sympathy was like a sign of weakness. And it scared me that I was like, you know, like if somebody was being picked on or something, I'd stick up for them or or I was being picked on, you know. I, I wasn't picked on that much, really. But I always felt like like showing sympathy. It, not, I never showed sympathy. I did. But I always felt kind of, look. Like, I always felt like slightly. I always kind of always wanted to reprimand myself for showing a sign, for showing weakness. But now it's like it's one of the great things you can do. Yeah. One of the things I want to thank you for is your ability to really look into the hearts of others by by with humor exposing your own vulnerabilities and insecurities, and in doing so, you I actually you know you're part of the tribe of people, uh, myself included. I'd like to think trying to make the world a little bit easier for a crazy bunch of entrepreneurs and you're doing yeah. it, my friend. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I, I think it's, it's being entrepreneurs, I, I, it's way harder than it looks. And it's, <laughs> le- and it's a lot less glamorous than it looks. And you know what? It's not always worth it. I'm sorry. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, with that, I think we I think we're going to need to wrap. But I can't thank you enough for this. This was such well, a delightful conversation. Well, you're you're always fun to talk to because you know we read a lot of the same books. We do, <laughs> we do, and I love the fact that we both were were connected to Proof Rock in that way. So, th- thank you so much, my friend, for coming. You're right. You're very welcome. And, very and, welcome. And, and we will make sure that we get the chance to see each other, you know, whether I'll, it's I'll New like York that. or Miami or Boulder. One of the most important things we have the opportunity to do for clients at Reboot is to hold containers, really a safe space, for them to connect honestly and openly with a community of their peers. Many CEOs come to us suffering fear, anxiety, and isolation. Really this underlying belief that they are the only one who feels this way. Through our boot camps and now our peer groups, CEOs and startup leaders are able to connect and share with others facing the same daily challenges, the same feelings. Really know they are not alone. CEO and co-founder of Code Academy, Zach Sims, recently shared his experience of connecting with others in this way. So I think one of the, the biggest things that I took away from uh, the boot camp was just the general thinking around transparency and, and authenticity in a company. And, and I think we read a lot about that all the time in uh, books and media outlets and whatnot. But I think going to boot camp actually helped me realize a room full of people who talked a lot about always wondering if they had to have all the answers and learning to use their teams as the way of answering your questions instead of feeling that because CEOs or because they were leaders, uh, they needed to have all the answers all the time. So it gave me a new perspective on how best to get a group of people to come together by providing them with the container they needed to be successful and and answer uh, questions on how to run a company. You can learn more about joining a community like this through our boot camps and our peer groups at reboot.io. So that's it for our conversation today. I know a lot was covered in this episode from links to books, to quotes, to images. So we went ahead and compiled all that and put it on our site at reboot.io slash podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find out about that on our site as well. I'm really grateful that you took the time to listen. If you enjoyed the show and you want to get all the latest episodes as we release them, head over to iTunes and subscribe. And while you're there, it would be great if you could leave us a review, letting us know how the show affected you. So thank you again for listening, and I really look forward to future conversations together. How long till my soul gets it right?